Happy Tuesday, friends. My name is Emma G. Welcome to the inaugural uh, Reconnect Your Teenager podcast with yours truly. If you don't know who I am, hello. My name is Emma G. I am originally from New Zealand, now living in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area uh, and working not only as a musician, but as you can see behind me with all the music equipment, but also um, as a keynote speaker, TEDx speaker and youth empowerment through songwriting coach. Youth empowerment is such a huge, huge component of my life and my passion. And I am particularly excited to be launching today the Youth Empowerment Podcast that you're watching right now, the Reconnect Your Teenager Podcast. And today, for the very first episode, we have Dr. Judy, who is a Parenting Matters Consultant. So hello, Dr. Judy. How are you tonight? Hi, thank you, Emma G. Thank you for inviting me to speak on a, a very passionate topic. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Well, I mean, that, that's exactly what it is, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. its a passion project. I often say, in fact, back when I first started getting into not just teaching, but in youth empowerment work, specifically with the YMCA, and this was, gosh, in 2000. 11 and 12. Um, one of the things that they told me very, at the very, very beginning was this is not an industry you get into because you want to make the big bucks. It's yes. an industry <laughs> that is a passion project because, you know, mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we are building a more resilient future for our young people and generations Absolutely. after. So what is it that got you involved in, in youth work? Well, it's interesting because I started, I started thinking back chronologically and I started working with foster youth in the 90s, like 1997, and helping them get, uh, you know, transition from high school to, to, to college and helping them with, um, you know, independent skills, those launching skills. And then I also was working with foster parents and training them on how to work with the teens and especially teens from trauma and challenging behaviors. And through that journey, um, part of foster care, um, I'm in California, became to where we started to work with our uh, trafficking survivors, our youth that were, were survivors of trafficking. And so I'm also a mentor for, um, for survivors and I'm an educator for trafficking. Um, I coach with teens and, and I, I co coach a lot with parents with teens. And now I'm working um, just this year launching a relational redesign, which is for moms and, and, and daughters, teens and tweens to reconnect and, and, and kind of redesign their relationships. So a, a lot of different areas, but just that whole thread through that is the importance that, and, and my passion, again, of working with teenagers. That is awesome. And I, I think one of the things that most fascinates me and intrigues me almost about what the work is that you do, um, and, and I'm really passionate about the elevator pitch. I don't know if this is like a normal youth work thing, but because of my background as an entertainer, I've always been like, okay, so what's your elevator pitch? What's, you, you know, yeah. if you were stuck in, a, in an elevator with yeah. Elon Musk or whatever, what yeah. would you say you do? Please don't get stuck in an elevator with Elon Musk. But, uh, <laughs> but your elevator pitch was that you help families getting reconnected and to be in a healthy, productive relationships, um, so healthy uh, through healthy boundaries and communication. And because your work specifically is with teenagers and their families um, as they deal with cope through 
sex trafficking um, and, and human trafficking. I'm fascinated with that because I'm a huge believer in, you know, utilizing music and and um, almost mm -hmm. CBT practices around um, trauma, but your mm -hmm. trauma is next level. Can you tell me yeah. a little more about what, what, that, yeah. what that looks like and what that feels like? Right. And so, so our foster teens, um, they tend to be uh, a higher ratio of our kids that are trafficked. And there's a lots of reasons for that. And so, but all of, mostly all of our teens, if they're a teenager and they're still in foster care and haven't been adopted and, and uh, by that time they're teenagers, there is just so much trauma and disruption and compromise in their development. So for me, um, understanding realizing that resiliency of that trauma is for them to have a really solid, even if it's one solid adult, one person that can help them feel safe and help them navigate. That's when, um, that's when they can be successful and kind of move on with their lives. Um, and then with the, with the trafficking, I think uh, just working with these teens and understanding that, um, just the the it's so nefarious with all the with all the way that kids get into into trafficking the misunderstanding so i'm an, a traffic educator i educate parents um i also do like you know hotels that need to educate their employees and casinos and airports because um because of the misunderstanding that a lot of people don't realize that it's in local communities and then when you mentioned the pandemic with that shift of the hotels kind of closing down, a lot of it turned towards um, like vacation rentals and VRBOs. And so there's that education component to the community. And I'm on a trafficking task force. But there's also that that, you know, wrapping around what these kids so desperately need, you know, and just just through, you know, through healing and that healing. Like you said, the trauma is horrific with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's really fascinating to me because to your, I, I don't know if this has been your experience, but I feel as if the last three years have been, have kind of um, really elevated mm -hmm. um, awareness and a drive for the world, if mm -hmm. we're being completely honest, to really stand up, recognize that there are some issues that we've been kind of ignoring and mm -hmm. sweeping under the rug for the last yep. many, many years. Yeah. Um, what is it that got you involved in this kind of work in the first place? Well, I think my, my background is early childhood education. I was a teacher. So I always loved that, um, you know, the, the, the education community and just really for some reason got along with teens. I don't know. I always really enjoyed teens. And as it kind of, you know, kind of developed, you know, usually the, the, the you know, talking to parents about teens, it was them not understanding that, you know, it's their job kind of get their new identity and move away a little from the parents and and that that sort of disruption so that was pretty normal but with the pandemic happening um oh boy so we had these families thrown in together and then we had um then we added this uh you know what because when i first started working with them we didn't really have the the um social media influence and that social media influence has been huge and it kind of just it kind of just exploded when these kids were isolated and the pandemic everyone was home and that was just the go-to a lot of the social media and with that social media um we uh we lost influence with our teens our parents do and so the problem is is that when we're in relationship 
we're, we have more influence with our teens. And so when we're, when we're stuck in the same room, you know, and all the pandemic stuff and just that kind of all explosion. And then we have that added influence, the influencers and the, all the TikTok and all that, you know, it's just, we lose influence from our kids and that divide just got so much bigger and, yeah. and the misunderstanding and then the dynamics um, yeah. I think the pandemic really kind of set that on fire a little bit. It's it's interesting. I've I've kind of, you know, given that I technically am a millennial, um, believe it or not, I know I look so old for my age. No, I'm kidding. Um, but with you know, with being a millennial and knowing that this next generation of Gen Z people are really, you know, living a world, growing up in a world that is changing mm -hmm. so rapidly from a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it's, it's one of the things that I've, I, I don't know, I find in my core, I feel in my core rather, um, it's almost like you've got to, champions make adjustments. You've got to try mm -hmm. and figure out how to navigate that world of social media, of isolation, mm -hmm. of, I don't know if you've seen, I'm sure you've seen this, where young people are finding it more and more difficult to communicate with their peers mm -hmm. and with each other without their Snapchat filters and, right, and all the yeah. fun things, right? Mm -hmm. So with your work specifically, um, if we were to get down to the nitty gritty, mm -hmm. how are you managing to navigate through that world, given that, I mean, you've been doing this work for a minute, um, <laughs> which is great. And, you know, it comes with a wealth of experience. And so you've seen yeah. the very gradual mm -hmm. and the very not so gradual changes yeah. happen over the, over the years um, when it comes to how young people are developing, growing up um, mm -hmm. and learning about the world. So how, how, back to my original question, like how are you shifting and making adjustments in what you do when it comes to working with the parents of teenagers and specifically with the teenagers themselves? Right. And, you, and, and, and I do, I live, I live through the teenage years. My, my youngest is 20, but um, he was one of the 2020 COVID graduates, high school graduates. And so that was, you know, so we were kind of in the mix of, of all, of all of that. That's right. Um, yeah. But you know, but what, what I, I just kind of see this thread when I work with, with parents that are struggling with their teens is they keep, well, I ask them to do this. I tell them to, I ask them to do this. And the parents want to bring these kids into their world by asking them questions and let's go here and let's go there. And the kids are like, eh, eh. but they, they rarely tiptoe into their world and, and they don't go into theirs. And I, and I, this kind of was an aha for me. And so I went and sat with, in, with my son and he was really interested in computers and he wanted to build a computer. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And so just really said, you know what? Go into his world. And so I helped him. We, he designed this computer. He built it when he was 14. He's still using the same computer. But I also stepped into, okay, tell me about your game. What's this game that you're doing? And what? And so and initially I was thinking, I will never get this time back in my life. I thought it was such a waste of time. <laughs> I will replace this time. But then I started asking questions and he would come and, hey, mom, you know what? And so then I took him to like these uh, uh, conferences that are just, they're like playing the game on big screens and there's, you know, competitions and the, the world competition. And I was like, all right. And I'm like, let's do it. I was definitely the oldest one in the, in the audience, you know? And so, but I, I stepped into his world and I learned his language and I, and I actually learned how to play one of his games and I was challenging his friends and I won. Oh, go ahead. So it was, it was like, you know, I'm like this a gamer in my sixties and, you know, so, 
So, yeah. you know, but I, but I was like, gosh, if I didn't even take that dip or dip my toe into his world, I don't know where we'd be. And so now we have the same conversations and we, and I make a point of, of listening to what he's interested to and go, tell me about that, you know, and now I'm watching the NBA and now I'm, you know, and so I'm in, I'm in, you know, pool, you know, betting pools with my son to try to figure out who's going to win. But, you know, I just, I thought this is so much fun. It opens it up to me, but we got to be willing to step into their world. Right. And so that was one huge thing. And the other thing too, is what happens is that kids like trying on their own identity, which is a little bit different with the social media. It's a little bit more, it could be flamboyant or trying more risk-taking. And often as parents, what happens is that's when they just start to squeeze mm -hmm. and control and I'm taking away your phone and you're this and you're that and the other thing and you're in bed by nine. So we, it's like this inverted kind of parenting to where these kids are so, when they're young, sure, I'll take you here. I'll do this i'll buy you this and these you know when they're young and then as soon as the kids start getting you know like gosh a peace of mind or a different opinion they start right. squeezing it in and so by the time they're in high school you know i don't like your clothes i don't like your hair i don't like your music i don't like what you watch on youtube and um and your curfew's nine o'clock right and it's like they're they're about a half a year away from being an adult and we've just squeezed every everything you know and give me your phone you right. know, and so it, instead of doing, let's prepare them for this world and let's get them ready to launch successfully. Right. And so that's another thing that's happening too. our kids aren't launching successfully. This is true. This is true. And so I'm really, I'm fascinated about that because what you're, what, I, what I'm hearing you say is that you're really working with parents to kind of ease their foot off off the the brake a little bit um, exactly, you know, yes. they, they go from they go from from you know uh from the gas pedal to the brake really quickly and that often leaves the teenagers feeling kind of like well shoot <laughs> what do i do here like it, i'm yeah. either doing it wrong or like all wrong or only 50 right. right um but in in terms of like your career as you know youth empowerment specialist and youth worker and parenting specialist um how like are, are there specific guidelines that you try to give parents when it comes to navigating not just social media but you know the world's just more dangerous these days right. in real life right. so right. how like how do we and I'm saying that like I like I know what America was like in the 80s, but um, <laughs> I was in New Zealand. Uh, but you know, it's <laughs> safer there apparently. No, but if you know, how are you like managing to help people elevate their understanding and how they're they're kind of coordinating all that? Well, the the tough thing is I can't possibly parent to my son's world. Because it's, it was not my world. I don't have a point of reference for it. I don't that have the sense. examples for it. I don't have the experience of it. So I, I'm, not, I'm not even, you know, I, I, how can I apparent him to, you know, TikTok, I, you know, or that kind of thing? Because I, I don't have the knowledge about it. And it wasn't how I grew up. So that's one are, thing are to you, do. Is that, are you on TikTok? Have you, have you well, my TikTok? son does does navigate me through that, so okay. we have fun. We have fun with it. I'm not. I I, I do. I yeah. I have seen it before, but I'm. Uh, um, so uh, so that's you know. So that that right there is that we can't. Our, this world is changing so much. We can't. We can't parent to it. Mm 
And so uh, us being more knowledgeable. And so the best thing we can do is support our kids in being prepared for all of this stuff. So when they're little, you know, teach them problem solving skills, teach them how to make healthy choices, you know, teach them how to take responsibility for their behaviors, teach them the things that are going to help them launch socially. And also within the context of all of that is help them build their inner self, their inner confidence, their inner motivation and determination. And, um, and then through all those experiences, they make good choices. And so right now we have kind of a new term that's coming out since the pandemic. It's called over-accommodating parent to where the parent's just like, it's easier for me to do everything. But then they turn around and say, my kids don't do anything. My kids don't know how to help. And when you say, well, get your shoes, I'm like, I can't, it's too hard. I don't know how. And we're just like, we created these dynamics and then we're angry. Yeah. And so what can we do to step back to empower these kids? Because we want these kids to be excited to leave the house because they're so excited for the next part of their world versus, you know, can I sleep in the basement? And right. I'm 34 and I want to, you know, and, and I coach parents like that. How do I get my kids out of the basement? You know, they're they're playing games and they're 35. And the oldest one was 42 that I was coaching the dad. And, and, um, and so we want our kids to be ready to go. Yeah. And, and like, you know, just so excited with this world and the possibilities that they don't want to hang out with us and they don't want to live at our house anymore, you know? Interesting because, so the over, sorry, the over, um, what, is, what is it called? The over compensating parent? Oh, the over accommodating parent. Yeah. Over accommodating parent. Yeah. Okay. So the over accommodating parent, that is, I love that term and I've definitely... Um, I can I can definitely understand where that came from and yeah. how that came about. However, I'm curious because when you um, compare that to what I've heard more often of the silver spoon mentality when it comes to young people, like have you seen it that kind of shift as well? Like, you know, do you know what I mean by the silver spoon child? Yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. overindulgent, the overindulgent parent. Right, right. Well, not just that, not just the overindulgent, but you know, the raising the generation of the participation award, and exactly. raising a generation of of young people who don't like who don't don't know how to navigate for themselves or or right. um or exactly. speak up for themselves. Is that one and the same? Is that? Well, yeah, and it kind of goes hand in hand because well, there's a couple things with with that with the you know participation trophy. And it was kind of like in my studies, um, you know, I started early childhood uh, education in the in the 70s. And around the 70s, early 80s, it was a shift that you want your child to have the best self-esteem ever. And so it was praise, 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 praise. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You're everything. You're smartest kid in the world. Here's a trophy. You didn't even show up. That kind of mentality. And what that actually did was I don't need to work for anything. I don't need to struggle. I don't need to be frustrated. And then we start to, um, you know, we do, we do the, um, the, we want to put the, the, all the, you know, we're taking any risk out of their life. Uh -huh. So they're not uh -huh. having risk. They're not having to struggle. They're not having to figure stuff out because we swoop in and say, oh, that looks too hard. Here's something easier. Right. So the mindset of the kids is I'm not capable. I'm not, I don't, they don't, so they're not developing that inner confidence and in that I'm going to try again. I'm not going to give up because mm -hmm. we don't give them that opportunity. 
you know, and so they don't know how to get to the other side of frustration. They don't know how to get to the other side of struggle. They don't know how to get to the other side of, uh, of, um, gosh, I failed, but I can do it. And right. so the mindset shift has been really different. So we're starting to have, uh, you know, this generation of kids with really closed mindsets of, you know, this is who I am. I can't do it. And so that's the whole thing too, of, you know, switching and, and letting our kids fail. And like, you've got this thing. If anyone can do it, you can, you right. know, right in, you got right. it. And Comfort so zone that, growth. <laughs> yeah. And so, well, I can't do it. Well, you can't do it yet. Right. Yeah. You just haven't learned yet. No big deal. Yeah. And yeah. so help them with that, that inner, inner growth too. And that's inner growth as well as that mindset a shift as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, you talk a lot about trauma, um, which I, I want to sort of dig into a little bit because obviously yeah. trauma, we all wear trauma differently. My own trauma comes from having had 10 brain surgeries amongst mm-hmm. other, you know, fun things. I was, you know, a, a teenager when the uh, Y2K kerfuffle happened. <laughs> um, and obviously the 9-11 and, and, yeah. and so forth. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm intrigued how you got into the field of trauma um, mm-hmm. and how that has kind of evolved over the years. The world is looking very different now than it did in 78 when you began this work. Um, and, what, and, and you mentioned as well that you've now shifted a little bit from working solely with parents to now working with teenagers as well. How, how yeah. did all that come together for you? Well, I um, with trauma, it was interesting because when I first started working in foster care, you had this abuse and neglect is why kids were taking and trauma wasn't part of the conversation. And soon it was like in the it was like in the early 80s, I believe. Um, I don't know if I'm getting my timeline when they started noticing the post-traumatic stress with Vietnam vets. And so that's when they started doing studies. And that's when, and, um, you know, when they were, you know, all the, all this research was coming out, but then they're like, but kids are resilient. Kids are resilient. That was just, you know, do you hear that all the time in the old days? Kids, oh, they'll, they're fine. They'll grow out of it. They're resilient. And what they realize it doesn't work that way. And so, well, there was, um, there was this, um, um, I'm trying to think of her name. I can't, but anyway, she did some research and it was like childhood trauma is extreme. And so now they got this, um, this ACEs adverse childhood experience and they're starting to study it. And it's just so huge how much trauma our kids actually have. And now there are studies on how these traumas directly affect brain compromise and directly affects behaviors. And so that's what my dissertation research was on is that early trauma and how it affects kids um, uh, behaviors through, through the brain, the brain compromise. And so what the latest studies, this is like, you know, we have ACEs, but the, what the latest studies are showing too, it's ACEs is based on cognitive memory of people remembering their trauma. Well, that doesn't bring in our little, our younger kids who kind of, you know, uh, don't even, they push it out and they black it out, some to block it out. So what they're finding now is the trauma uh, that starts these ACEs begins in utero in a pregnancy. It might be a violent pregnancy. It might be, um, you know, someone that's using drugs or alcohol during their pregnancy. So that's when their ACEs can actually start. So this is pretty new, um, you know, within the last 30 plus years, this research is so new. So now they're realizing just the dramatic impact of trauma on these kids. 
And if it goes unchecked, it affects their behaviors, it affects their, their academics, it affects their future relationships, it, felt, it affects long-term health, et cetera. So trauma is really, um, really key to bring into the conversation. I am so in love with the fact that you're doing that work because ACEs is something that I'm very acutely aware of. I, I know that it, um, you know the, the more adverse childhood experiences a young person has, not only obviously their brain cognition and function, but also their heart health, their mm -hmm. um, you know their future health, even can the risk of cancer mm -hmm. um, increases significantly. Now I. You know, you hear a lot of people talking a lot about how the first five years shapes mm -hmm. a young person's life when it comes to adverse childhood experiences. Um, I've often argued, and I, I've I've um, been reading multiple um, articles and docu uh, documents on, um, as the, actually the first four months are even the most key. You're the first person that has um, mentioned the importance of in utero. Um, so, as somebody in your field, how is that one of the reasons why you're specifically working with parents when it comes to helping the young person? Like, how do you navigate that in your work as yeah. you know, a parenting matters consultant? Yeah. So with my background um, and, and working with foster parents, having that uh, that, tra that trauma-based knowledge it can help make or break a, a placement when there's a foster child in their home. Because often, you know, we'll get foster parents so well-meaning, just saying, we'll just give them a nice bedroom and everything will be great from here on in. But it doesn't work that way because they're still, they're still having these triggers, these trauma triggers, et cetera. And so um, helping people understand and my, you know, my, my foster parents understand that trauma informed parenting is very different than typical parenting and trauma informed parenting is about um, the motivation of the behaviors. It's not just about the behaviors. And when we have a child of our own that we have a really tight relationship with, you know, we've had them since they, they were, you know, we, we birthed them. We have that attachment and that bonding already. But when we get a kid inside our, from foster care, we don't. And mm. so that trust and stability and consistency is so huge. And so that's the trauma-informed parenting that we put the relationship first, the safety and relationship first, and over, you know, um, you know, this this real um, you know, obedience-minded and compliance-minded, it's relationship. You gotta have that with, yeah. you know, with our kids. Um, yeah, and 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 that trauma can't be ignored. You know, we, we want to make sure that we we tend to it and, and we're there. And I know you've probably heard of the um, What Happened to You book by Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey, which is of just <laughs> incredible, incredible. And so in one of their latest interviews that they did, um, they were talking about it's not it's it's about those first hundred days um, that, that, that those first you know couple months that are so impacting that those are the most important time of a, of a person's life is those first few months. And so again, this is all really new, new, new information. So, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I, it's, it's a great book. I, um, I was listening to a podcast about um, that book a, a few months back and I was like, I need to get that. So thank you for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> And they've, um, done lot, they've done a lot of interviews too, so you can see some great YouTubes on it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I know we've got, we've got a couple more minutes left. I, I wanted to go over really quickly. Um, with regards to 
so your, your focus is specifically with teenagers now, um, their parents, their communities. You, you, you know, you do incredible work with the sex trafficking world. If you are a peer to somebody who has experienced significant trauma, what are some sort of handy hit tips and, and helpful kind of um, reminders that we can sort of share with the community when it comes to navigating healthy relationships with these people? Because not everybody is trauma-informed, unfortunately. Right. Um, right. And trauma, again, trauma looks differently for everybody. Right. So what, what are some handy sort of takeaways that you can give the everyday yeah. person? You know, and what I tell my parents too is don't overlook, like if you're, if their kids are saying that, like, that you're seeing the depression, you know, you don't try to like, oh, come on, smile. And, you know, we really want to take mental health really seriously, you know, especially again, that, that pandemic. we want to take it, we do not want to ignore it. We don't want, I would rather be, I would rather be mistakenly taking my child to counseling than go, oh, nah. I mean, if I, if I even had a doubt you know, um, um, that, that you just don't want to ignore it. You don't want to underestimate it. You don't want to tell your kids to get over it. If they're telling you or their behaviors are showing to you that I'm not doing well or I need help, I'm the first one to, to get help or, or help have a team get help or connect resources because mm -hmm. we want, you know, we want our kids to be healthy and we want you know, we want them to have the, what they need to navigate. And it's really hard. It's really different to navigate. It was very different from when I was navigating to, you know, to, to go through high school. And then uh, and then from now for them, it's different. And like I said, we don't know what their world is about. And so yeah. to help to try to tell them what we know and they should do this and this, you know, I don't I don't even pretend to know what what, uh, you know, what a teenager's world is and how it affects them. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the things I, I love that you that you acknowledge that. Uh, it's one of the things that I, I often talk about. It's like, yes, just because we, we, you know, whatever the world looks like it does. Um, it, it's real, and be, especially because I'm in the music industry, people are like, oh, she's she's down with that. I'm like, sure, but our experiences, our lived experiences, are very different. And so, trying yeah. to navigate, you know, I'm 34 years old, trying to navigate TikTok as a 34 year old compared to a 16 year old totally different world you'll never see me do a dance challenge i'm sorry no. <laughs> but but you know it's it, it, at least you honor those things right and i think that oh, sort yeah. of helps to build that relationship with your with your teenage clients sorry you, were well, you, know, you know i was gonna say is that in that you know i i went to high school in the 70s you know that was a long time ago but when I Not that sometimes, long. <laughs> you know, sometimes when I do when I do groups with um, the uh, the parents and the and the teens in the group, I'll play different songs that were popular during the years that the parents were in high school, and they're like, "Oh yeah," because then they can remember. That's right. when I like so and so, and that's when I was wearing my you know, whatever pants or, and that's when this, oh, and the boots and, and it brings them back. Music can bring them back to that place to where yeah. they have, that they are more open-minded to talk about the things of their teenager. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really powerful. I wonder, I'm just purely for my own ego. I'm curious with regards to the fact that like a lot of trap and hip hop artists these days use a lot of samples from 70s and 80s music yeah. have you used that sort of in when it comes to connecting with your 
your teenagers that you're working with as well? You know, I I haven't, and I, I and it's a great idea. But the reason I haven't is I haven't done stuff in person in so long, right? Because of COVID, yeah, I, I can't wait to start doing, um, you know, doing like assembly type, you know, conference type. Uh, I I literally since COVID started, I haven't been, you know, that one to one. I can't wait because I'm more of a, a in person kind of presenter, and Zoom sure. is beautiful, but it's just like. Um, uh, but I just, I, or, I just don't, um, you know, it's just different when I'm standing up and talking to parents, I'm walking around and be able to be demonstrative versus, yeah. you know, stay in your square, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. So before we sort of jump off, I, I want to, um, sort of leave, is, is there a way that we can leave the audience with like one or two life hacks? to navigating the next week for themselves or yeah. for their for their children teenagers yeah yeah, yeah. for you know with parents ask questions they they don't want advice all the time about how what back in the day they ask questions you know and and reconnect and that's a big thing i'm talking to my parents about lately is that they have rupture in their relationship and they fight and everything they go their way and then they slowly you know are in the kitchen together again reconnect and take responsibility to to model that reconnection with your kids like you know that was a hard conversation can we talk about it i just wanted to tell you i really um you know i, I wish i wouldn't have said that and, 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 and i'm sorry and it's okay to apologize mm. to your team and just connect with them because when we have connection again we have with that influence and and they're and they're amazing people they're our kids yes no i love that i love that connection is so key that's why this is called the reconnected teenager podcast <laughs> we did not plan that friends we did not plan that at all but here we are <laughs> Um, cool. Thank you so much. I, you know, obviously if people want to reach out to you, you are at parentingmattersconsulting.com. You mentioned in the very, our very first interaction that your why is because healthy families and healthy children make our schools better and safer and healthy schools and healthy relationships make our communities better. Mm -hmm. I, I feel I'm so passionate about that. One of the things that I, I love, one of my, my slogans for uh, 2020 was I'm saving the world one song at a time, not mm -hmm. just through my music, but through the songs that I'm helping young people to write for themselves. And that goes back to the communication thing for you as well, right? So when it comes to your work, um, parentingmattersconsulting.com. Is there anything that, that people need to know before they book a time with you? How does that process look? Yeah. And then, um, it's, it's there, they can do that right on the, on this website that you have up here. Thank you for putting that up there. And the other thing that my passion for, uh, for 2023 is developing parenting communities. So working with different parents that have kids uh, that are around the same age or kids even in the same class, maybe, or, or and, and building a, a parent community. So when I coach with them in groups and then when when I can I can let them go, you know, fly on your own kind of thing like we do with our teens. And right. so I know they have a strong group and they have a strong community that they can rely on. And so then, so that I'm, I'm moving in, that's, I'm more intentionally going to group coaching. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I'm more intentionally trying to get those group coaching because I want those communities, those, those yeah. parent communities to be really strong. 
together we so, rise right so yeah <laughs> that's cool that's well lovely. thank you so much i really appreciate your time on a on a tuesday i mean i know it's afternoon there in california but nonetheless it's uh you know it's it's wonderful to meet you for real for real um, yeah. kind of on in the digital space um but you know to have you share your magic and you know your just your love and your light with the world it's it's so powerful and so so beautiful so thank you so much thank you i really appreciate it of course, of course. And to everybody else who's watching right now, I hope that you enjoyed this wonderful um, 35 minutes with Dr. Judy. Um, my name is Emma G. I am also a youth empowerment through songwriting coach, as well as a musician and keynote speaker. So if you are looking for tips and tricks um, to help your young person navigate their overwhelmed stress and anxiety, if you are a parent and want some parenting coaching, go to parentingmattersconsulting.com. And if you want some help with channeling that into song, hit your girl up. My name there is Emma go. G. Have a great rest of your week. Be safe, be kind, spread love like it's going out of fashion and have an amazing day on purpose. Thank you.